Hey, my name is Brett. Thank you for listening to this, the Engaged Church Podcast. There are so many incredible things happening around our church. I want to remind you to check it out on our website, engagechurch.ca, or our social media. Uh, you can just look up Engaged Church, and you can find all of that stuff. But hey, buckle up. This is a message called, Who Before Do? They say, I'm made for Monday. Oh, sounds like you kind of believe it. You're like, no, I hate Monday so much. Well, it's my goal that by the end of these four weeks that we maybe wouldn't hate Monday so much. Well, why don't we read the Bible? Because honestly, that's why we're actually here. Mark chapter 1, verse 16. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. I'm ready. You're, it's okay to just laugh, participate. You know, don't ask questions. Save those to the end. But uh, that was a joke, too, so you can laugh there. And Allie's going to help, because if I make a bad joke, Allie's going to laugh. And if you hear Allie laugh, you just laugh along with me. Mark 1, 16. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water. They fished for a living. They were fishermen. Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Verse 19. A little further up shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets he called them at once and they also followed him leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men now if you have a bible here today that's that's paper and a hard copy I love you so much if you don't and if you're using the Version bible app you can just open up that app hit the more button in the bottom right hand corner then events and you'll see engage church with all of your bible verses and notes already loaded on your device for you right now, now, does anyone else, uh, sometimes I read Bible stories, I'm like, how on earth did this actually happen? So Jesus shows up, and he's like, hey guys, I see that you're fishing, come follow me, and they just literally leave their jobs, leave their lives, leave their boats, leave everything, and just start walking like mindless automatons after Jesus? Like, is that really how this thing happened? Is that how it went down? Well, no, not exactly. You see, each one of the Gospels provides a different lens and a different camera view of the exact situation that happened in Luke chapter 5. We find out that Jesus was teaching there all day. They were fishing there all night. And when Jesus got done teaching, they were bringing their boats in. And Jesus said, why don't you just go back out one more time? And they're like, listen, we've been out here all night. We've been doing our thing. We got nothing. We're tired. We're exhausted. Like we have no desire to go back out and fish some more. And Jesus said, okay, well, why don't you just do it for me? Just humor me. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but go out there and, but don't fish on the normal side, throw your nets over the other side of the boat. You're like, who does this guy even think he is? Like, what does he know? He just talks to thousands of people at a time, but I guess whatever, you know, he was respected as a rabbi in the area and that's carried some societal weight. It's like, all right, well, we'll look bad if we don't do it. So these fishermen go out, Worked all night, end of a long shift, go out again to humor somebody. I mean, I don't know how that would go over at your job if someone's like, hey, why don't you just go put in another shift, but this time right with your right hand instead of your left hand. You're like, what do you know about anything? But they throw the nets over, and they caught so many fish that their nets started to tear, and they had to start calling out all the other fishermen, and all the other fishermen started jumping in their boats and going, and everyone's boats were, became like low riders as they sunk low into the water. There was so much fish in the moment that these guys get back, they're, he's like, come and follow me. They're like, deal, agreed, because if you can make that happen, uh, well, I'm going with you because there's got to be more fish where that came from. So they just left everything, and they saw the other guys down the beach like, come on, come on, just, just come follow, come follow this guy. Did you just see what happened with these fish? That, that load 
would have set their families up for months. Like, man, if he could do that in a minute with just a piece of advice, I wonder, I wonder what he could do with the rest of my life. So the disciples left everything and they just left it all, their families, their jobs, their, their stuff. In, in our days, they left their cars, their vehicles, their houses, their careers to follow Jesus just because Jesus called. Every once in a while, you get a call that it doesn't make sense in your life, but you just got to answer it and you got to make it happen. One of those calls happened for me a couple years ago. I'm a, anyone, do you have any Blue Jays fans here? Any Blue Jays fans? Okay, four. Uh, I mean, we're bouncing back. It's fine, all right? Rebuild, we'll get there. Uh, anyways, a couple years ago when we were good, my friend Brady called me and says, hey, bro, uh, so I just bought two tickets to the ALCS game and for uh, to the series, and if you don't know, that's the uh, almost the final, uh, that's right before the finals in Major League Baseball, and it was the Toronto Blue Jays versus the Cleveland Indians, and he's like, yeah, I'm row five, right in between Jose Bautista and Edwin Encarnacion, which are like the two all-stars of the day. He's like, do you want to, he's like, do you want to come? He's like, I've got work, I've got jobs, I've got responsibilities. Yes, I will clear my schedule, <laughs> because when I, he's like, yeah, and, and I'm going to pay for your flight. I'm like, even better. And you can stay with me, and I'm going to pay for everything while you're here. I'm like, absolutely. I, that's a call. That is a call that I cannot refuse. And let me tell you, I had things. I had deadlines. I had to clear the schedule. It doesn't matter. When those calls come, you make those things happen. I remember when I was a little kid, we were on our way to church on, I think it was a Tuesday night. I think we were actually coming home, and we were driving a 1988 Chevy Astrovan, which if you ask me, was the greatest vehicle ever created. An Astrovan is one of the greatest vehicles of all time. And if you don't have one, you should go find one and own one if you've never had one in your family lineage, because until you've had that, you don't know the true power of a Chevy Astrovan. Am I right, Matt? I mean, we, Matt and I were in a band, and we toured across the country in that thing, and we poked holes in the exhaust, and we did all kinds of things, and those things are amazing, but we were driving our family. I wasn't driving. My dad was driving his little kid, and we come upon a car accident. Uh, now, back in the day, you know, cell phones aren't really a thing. None of that is really a thing. When you come up on a car accident, you're like, oh, boy. Someone should do something about this. And we're parked waiting in traffic, and a guy comes to our window door, and he knocks on this 1988 Chevy Astro Van window, and the guy happens to be Gizmo Williams from the Edmonton Eskimos. He was also there, and he's like, hey, uh, I see that you're driving a sleek 1988 Chevy Astro Van, and you must be living in the lap of luxury, so is there any chance you have a car phone? in your car. Now, if you don't know what a car phone is, it was literally this giant box. <laughs> giant. Like, it's probably bigger than that. Like, it was huge. This incent that you could carry around like a suitcase that had a little coil cable to come out of it, and you'd put an antenna on the back of your vehicle. Chance, guess what? We had a car phone. He was right. Lap of luxury, Chevy Astro van. We were rolling with the car phone. We were able to call for help. But now, I mean, I think the world's like gotten a little, you know, it's gotten easier, but it's gotten like weirder at the same time. Because back in the day, if, if somebody was calling you, like if you were getting a call, you didn't like, there was no like call display. It rang and you just took the chance. Like, <laughs> like are you like, oh dear God, who's this going to be? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> like, I feel like that's how I answer the phone now. I don't recognize the number. <laughs> 
I want, I'm not taking that call if I don't know who you are. But back then you're like, hello. Like anything could happen in that moment. Or if you were really like living in the lap of luxury, again, you would get a voicemail and you would let the voicemail catch it, you know, the, the speaker, and then someone would start talking like, hello? And like, are you screening your calls? Uh, no, totally busy, just caught this, just walked in the door. But you let the answering machine catch it and then you'd listen to it and like, okay, yeah, I do want to talk to that person. Or I was the only person who ever did that. <laughs> okay, you're all liars, first of all. <laughs> Hypocrites and liars. The church is full of. Uh, but we knew that coming in. We knew that coming in. Uh, I knew that. You didn't? You're surprised. Okay. You've been lying to yourself as well. Okay. But, you, you know, now it's like now we're just like screening our lives, right? It's like, oh, like unless you're a realtor and you need to pick up a random phone call, you're not picking up the phone. You're like, uh, don't know that number. Nope. <laughs> And now you can block numbers on your phone. It's like, nope. <laughs> and now you, like, now you see your friends like, mm, do I really want to hang out with that guy tonight? <laughs> the worst thing, though, is when you don't answer and then they text right after, then you're in a dilemma. Because do you, like, respond back? And then they know that you screened their call? Or do you, like, got to wait and play it out? Long game. You know? But there's something about it, like when you're screening your calls back in the day, for example, let's say Matt calls me and says, hey, we're going to go play baseball in the park with his brand new baseball bat. That would be something we would do. And I go and do that, but Brendan calls me five minutes later at my house, and I'm out playing at the park, and he says, hey, let's go to Disneyland. I'm paying for it. I'm just going to miss that opportunity because that's just the way the world worked. There was no cell phones. You just commit to your plan. I mean, I think it's probably a better way to live. You commit to your first plan. You don't wait for the better opportunity. You commit to the first plan, and then you just live it out. Then you come home later, and you weep because Brendan leaves you this voicemail about going to Disneyland. But, but now we're just like screening our lives constantly at all times. Like, ah, maybe I don't want to do that. Maybe I don't want to do it. We're constantly screening our calls, but I think we're also screening our lives and our opportunities, waiting for the next better thing to come along. And if we're not careful, I think we're going we're gonna to live in this moment where, we've, where our lives turn into one big missed opportunity because we just keep waiting and pressing decline, 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 decline. Maybe something better is coming. Maybe something's better coming. Maybe something's better coming. We just don't ever step into anything because we're like, there could just be something better happening. And yet, by the time we're done screening through all the calls and opportunities in our lives, we're left having done nothing and moved nowhere because we're frozen by choice. We're like, wow, maybe it makes more sense for us to step into whatever opportunity is in front of us instead of screening through every call and every opportunity waiting to see if something better might be just around the corner. The only way I can describe it is that moment when you're watching Netflix at home and you cannot decide on what movie because there are so many choices that you just scroll for two and a half hours and you're like, well, I guess I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> and you don't watch anything. It's the Netflix freeze. But I believe one of the reasons we hate Monday, one of the reasons we're trying to live for a weekend and live for an escape is because we're trying to escape the lives that we've created. And one of the reasons we're trying to escape it is because we're never satisfied because we're always looking for the next opportunity to materialize and we never step into the one that is right in front of us. 
And so we have to look forward to that vacation. We have to look forward to the weekend because our life has no meaning because we've missed every opportunity because something inside of us is saying, you should just wait for the next one. You should just wait for the next one. There's got to be something better around the corner. And can I tell you, because of our FOMO, which is fear of missing out, we live our lives in slow-mo. It's true. It's true. It's true. Brennan, that's good. You're going to remember it forever. But then to add to our lack of indecision, we've confused the calls because we're trying to sound spiritual. If you've been in church any length of time, you kind of start talking this language where you try to make like normal things sound spiritual. I don't know why we do it. It's the worst thing ever. I like my whole life's mission is to do the opposite. But like we just try and make things sound so like. (sighs) But really, it's like. You know, we we get confused because we're like, okay, there's this like the call to salvation, the decision to make the choice to follow Jesus and there's that call and then you get that call and you're like okay there's that call and then there's a there's the the call to like get baptized and that's a thing and then there's a call to serve on a team and then there's a call to give and then there's a call to get to small groups and there's a call to get involved and there's a call to go get coffee and then there's there's like a call to do this and there's a call to that and everything's a call and everyone's at everything's at prime importance and pretty soon we're like what call actually matters i'm so confused about what is what and what is where we've made this life so difficult because we're trying to say that all the things that we're doing are of the utmost important and we're trying to emphasize the spiritual importance of who we are by putting spiritual titles on things. But at the end of the day, that's not how things work. There is only one call. I think a lot of us, our lives look a whole lot like an iPhone with the red dot that has a whole bunch of missed calls and opportunities. But the truth is there's only one call that we can't miss. And there's that call, that moment when Jesus says to each and every one of us, come and follow me. That's, that's the only call. It's the only call we're taking. <laughs> it's the only call. There's only one call. There aren't layers and calls and calls on calls and calls. We get, we see, we think that when we talk about calling that we're talking about career. But Jesus doesn't really, uh, I should be careful, but I'm going to say it. Jesus cares far less about what you do for a job and a whole lot more about who you are as a person. See? Thanks for clapping, Brendan. (laughs) So when he comes to us, he says, come on, come come and follow me. We know that just around the corner, there's going to be a whole lot of opportunities. There's going to be a whole lot of other things. But what, what happens is we go, okay, if we follow Jesus, if we just follow him one step at a time, we take the big step of faith. And for many of us, when that moment happens, it's like overwhelming. In this past year, we've seen 174 people make that decision. I can tell you, there's like this like afterglow that happens. It's like, oh, it's like you're, you're like floating in the air. You're like, this is the greatest decision I've ever made. But then we think to ourselves, oh, you know what? My life is going to be tidy, clean, neat, and easy because I'm just following Jesus. And if I just follow him, it's going to be fine, right? Life doesn't work like that. The world doesn't work like that. 
It's a whole bunch of ups and downs and all arounds. But I want us to take notice of something in Acts chapter 13. We're talking about a guy named David. Has anyone heard of David? You might know, be familiar with David as he killed the giant named Goliath. And anytime there's an underdog story in sports, we say it's a David and Goliath matchup. And this guy, David, not only did he kill Goliath, kill a giant, but he went on to be a king, the greatest king. And actually, Jesus comes from his family bloodline. But David is kind of a hero of the faith for, for many of us. So for some people, you're like, who's your favorite Bible character? And I'm like, Jesus. And everyone else is like, David. So <laughs> I'll leave it to you to decide who's right. Probably me. Um, here we go. Acts 13:36. This is not a reference to David. For after David had done the will of God in his own generation, he died and was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. Really encouraging, right? You're like, I don't, why are you talking about this? Why are you talking about bodies decaying? The thing that's really important right here is that middle line. For after David had done the will of God in his own generation, he died and was buried with his ancestors. After David had done the will of God. If you read other translations and you understand the implication of that phrase, it literally means that David did every single thing in his life that God had planned for him. He literally died with zero potential left. You know, one of my fears is dying with potential left. You know, because if I die with potential left, then it means I didn't do something. I didn't accomplish something. I didn't live up to who I was created to be. And maybe that's like a weird fear to have, but I'm like, I, I want to be somebody, like maybe on my tombstone when, it, when I die, even though I'm going to get burnt and there'll be a nice vase uh, at the veil in the church lobby. Uh, <laughs> we'll have collector's editions and everything maybe. Uh, I just wanted to say that Brett died with no potential left because it means that I would have accomplished and achieved everything that I could have possibly done in this life. This to me is like the greatest statement that could ever be made about a human being, that someone literally fulfilled everything that God had planned for them to do. He did it all. And that gets me thinking, what kind of life, what kind of person does it, does it take to, to live this way? How do I get there? How do I do that? How do I live with such purpose that the days, like I'm not afraid of a day of the week. I'm not afraid of a, a job or a tax or a challenge because I understand that I'm not just doing it for me and I'm not, not just doing it for my boss or for my wife. I'm not just doing it for that. I'm doing it because I have a greater purpose. What kind of person lives a life that can fulfill all those things? But then I thought, well, his life must have been easy, Right? Because how else do you fulfill all these things? He just like has win after win after win after win. I mean, this kid found out he was going to become king at the age of 14. He didn't realize that dream for another 7 to 12 years. Then after he realized, uh, well, once he became a, like a victor in battle, killed Goliath, became a national hero, he then went on the run as a fugitive for five years. Then he became king for part of the kingdom, and then two years later got more of the kingdom, and then ten years later after that, one of his sons, oh, there's kids in here, uh, one of his sons did something real bad to his sister, so then the other brother went and killed that brother, and then that brother who killed his other brother went away for five years because he was so afraid, then came back and stole the kingdom from David. Then David had to run as a fugitive again, then Let's not forget that like seven years before that, David saw Bathsheba having a bath on the top of a building. He looked out a window, says, I want that. Brought her, even though she was married to the castle, got her pregnant, 
then sent her husband into battle and had him murdered on the front lines. I mean, this guy seems like a real gem, you know? And his life seems really simple. Oh, that also that moment where when he was running as a fugitive, everyone wanted to kill him. He had to run to the Philistines, who's where Goliath was from, run to his enemies and pretend to have had a mental breakdown so that he could live safely with them. Sounds pretty easy. Sounds like the, definitely the kind of guy who would have fulfilled the, everything that God wanted for him in his life. But in the same chapter, just a little bit earlier, we get some context as to how David fulfilled this life of purpose. So it says in 13.22, But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David's son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. David was known as a man after God's own heart. His heart beat for the same things. He cried for the same things. He was broken for the same things. He was passionate about the same things. He lived with a sense of greater purpose or greater understanding of the implication of things. He, he died with a different set of priorities because his greatest priority, even though he made mistakes and had struggles and had burdens, because he was a human being, overall his greatest intention was to follow the call of Jesus for his life. Above all else, And I love the story of David because he's not just a story, it's a real human being because it's got speckles and spots and wrinkles and it's not perfect. And I mean, listen, a man after, like how a murderer is a man after God's own heart, I don't know. But I think it maybe shows the opportunity that each and every one of us have to come close to Jesus because if David could be described in these words, at this manner, my life doesn't look so bad. <laughs> maybe there's a chance for me because maybe God cares more about who I am than he cares about what I do. Maybe the things that I'm supposed to do in the seasons that I'm in are actually all contributing factors to creating me and making me the person that he wants me to be. Maybe the way I navigate my mistakes and my challenges and my difficulties is more important than me finding success in the next season. I'll leave that for you. But here's the interesting thing about David. Before David was king, there was another uh, king named Saul. Saul got appointed because God's people, the people of Israel, decided that they wanted a king. And the only reason they wanted a king is because they wanted to be like everybody else. They're like, hey, those guys have a king, and those guys have a king, and those guys have a king. How come we can't have a king too? We want a king. God, we don't just want to follow you. We don't want to just answer your call. We want like a human being that can tell us what to do, where to go, how to do it. Because then the responsibility is on them and we can just do whatever. We just want what the Joneses have. And so they found one. They found a guy named Saul. But as David was described as a man after God's own heart and someone who would do anything that God would want him to do, I think we could describe Saul in the opposite manner. Somebody who did what he wanted when he wanted, how he wanted. In many ways, Israel got the king that they wanted. Somebody who would go their own way, do their own thing, and that would make things look okay. 
look right. We look like everybody else now. We fit in. We have a king too. I think many of us end up feeling lost or defeated or broken or insecure because our life does not look like the life of somebody else that you know. And so we hate Monday because we feel like we're in a rat race. We feel like we're on a hamster wheel going through the motions, trying to be just like somebody else, but never getting there, feeling frustrated because we only compare ourselves to what they have, not to who they are. And we waste our purpose, our opportunity, and our season because instead of following Jesus and answering the one call that matters, we screen those calls and we pick up all the opportunities and all the phones and all the invites to the things that take us off course. And then we end up frustrated, we end up angry, and most of the time, we end up blaming God. Because I can't believe you led me here. Oh yeah, he, he didn't lead you there. You led you there. Today is, in many, for all intents and purposes, an introduction to this topic of finding, essentially, purpose in every square inch of our life. To understand purpose, we have to understand this one phrase, who before do. Brendan, I know you like that one. Who before do. God cares way more about who you are than what you do. He cares way more about your character. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3. Ever, has anyone ever wondered what God's plan is? Anyone, anyone ever wonders, like, what, what's God's will for my life? Let's get there. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3. This is it. God's will is for you to be holy. If you're trying to figure out the plan, the direction, you're like, okay, but I'm new to church. Please explain to me the word holy. Deal. The word holy in Greek is agios. Why don't you just turn to somebody and say agios? But say it with like in your best Greek. It's like tzatziki, but agios, you know. <laughs> you got it. Great, great Greek, everybody. You've all passed. And the word agios literally means to be set apart or to be different. Huh? Perfect. So God's will is for you to be set apart and to be different. Which means our lives are going to look different. Our direction is going to look different. Our purpose is going to look different. The things that we care about is going to look different. It's going to feel different. It's going to, it's going to sound different. People aren't necessarily going to understand your priorities because your priorities are not based on your priorities. They're based on his priorities, God's priorities, and his priorities look a whole lot different than our priorities. So God's will, if you're trying to figure out God's plan for you, is to be set apart. To be set apart means to be ready for him to use you at 
any moment, at any time. Now, the struggle is most of us feel like God isn't using us. Most of us feel like that's reserved for people like me or, or for people that sing like Brendan who wear crazy sweaters and just still look attractive. It's like <laughs> we, just think, we just think that God's will or plan is for, for people in political power or people that are or bosses, and then we just quickly realize that God's plan is for anybody who answers the call. And the call is to be set apart. And it's possible that even though you don't like it because you feel useless or you feel like you're wasting your time, it is possible that the place that you're in is actually so full of purpose. But most of us fail to see it because we've screened the call waiting for the next opportunity to come around that looks better, that looks sexier, that looks more enticing. But what if your place is right in the middle of God's purpose for you? What if God's plan for you is to develop your character in those moments? You're like, are you really going there? Are you really saying that I need to develop my character? Yeah, I am. Because I don't know if you noticed this, but when God called the disciples, there was no destination outline. He called them to a journey. A journey that does not end until we leave this earth. He called us to be constantly nomadic, on the move, following him in every moment, in every season, at any time. And we never arrive. You're like, that sounds terrible. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? But at each moment, there are times, seasons, markers along the road where when we look back, we're like, wow, I've never lived with more purpose and with more passion than I have lived right now. It might not look like I thought it should look like. It might not look like how the neighbor's life looks like. But who before do, it's a journey, not a destination. See, who we're following is much more important than what we're doing. Aren't we standing together? I love Instagram because it connects us across the world. And I follow a pastor named Pastor Tansy Howe uh, from Singapore. And right across his profile, he's got this quote, and it blew me away every, every time. I, I literally go back like three times a week to read it. He says, I'm not afraid of failure. I'm afraid of succeeding at things that don't matter. I'm not afraid of failure, but I am afraid of succeeding things don't, that don't matter. Over the next number of weeks, we're going to discover how Jesus wants to move us into seasons of purpose. We're going to discover the power of no. We're going to discover how God speaks to us in our everyday life. But today, if there's anything that I can leave with you today, is that there's one call that will change your life. And that's the call when Jesus says, Will you come follow me? Will you come follow me? Will you come follow me? Would you leave behind your preconceived notions, your preconceived ideas of how things should be? Would you come follow me and discover the person that you were actually created to be? 
because he knows because he made you. Well, hey, thank you so much for listening. I know that God's got a great plan and a purpose for you. If you're in the Edmonton area, we would love to have you come check us out at one of our two locations in Spruce Grove, Alberta, or in Stony Plain. Uh, in 10, 11, and 12, we've got a service time that will work for you. You can find out all the details online at engagechurch.ca. Or you can check out our Instagram, engage, at engage.church, uh, or Facebook, Engage Church, Y-E-G. Uh, so thank you again for listening. And if you're at the gym, if you're working out, or if you're driving, you've got this. You're going to make it through. Have a great day, everyone. And uh, we'll see you right back here next week.